Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. Welcome to Beer Nuts, a weekly excursion into the world of craft beer. Brought to you by MichiganBeerGuide.com. And now, here are the Beer Nuts. Okay, everybody, welcome to another exciting edition of Beer Nuts. Tonight we have episode 115, Autumnal Libations. Beer suitable for drinking in the fall season that we're well into now. So, uh, I'd like to introduce tonight's... Uh, Beer Nuts, uh, got myself, JR, here in Grosseal, Michigan, along with Uncle Pete. Welcome, Uncle Pete. Cheers to Autumn, everybody. And we have Doug out, also in Michigan. Yes, happy fall, everyone. And from Springfield, Missouri, Lieutenant Dang. Happy Beer 30, everyone. All right, happy Beer 30 is right. So, uh, before we start the show, got some really nice... Libations to enjoy here, including an autumnal mead. Of course, somebody might have heard that recently on a certain commercial. But uh, it's going to be a good one, and uh, we got a great grand finale. Uncle Pete uh, hit the jackpot the other day and drove to Kalamazoo and has something real special and some great beers in between from here and there and afar. So for tonight's quote of the week, uh, it's going to be short and sweet. Tonight's quote of the week is, always buy a bigger bottle than you think you'll need. Better to be safe than sober. So buy a bigger bottle than you think you'll need. Words to live by. Amen. So, all right, let's get it started here. So everybody crack open a cold one wherever you are. We were not pretentious. The beer nuts just enjoy spreading the gospel of good beer to good people. So let's get right into and. uh for this episode, we're actually going to just start with that autumnal mead of a legendary uh, commercial legends. <laughs> so, Uncle Pete, would you mind opening this bottle? It's in a cork. This bo- bottle is near and dear to my heart. Uh, one of my favorite meaderies. Uh, there you go. Uh, Melavino Meadery out of Vauxhall, New Jersey. Uh Meadery Deer and close to my heart. I've done a little bit of uh, contract work promoting their brand. So full disclosure there. But uh, when I think of fall and the harvest season, uh, apple pie comes to mind, you, uh, apple harvest season. So this particular mead is called Nice's Pie. It's uh, a sizer. It means it's a mead. Uh, mead is basically wine distilled or fermented from honey instead of grapes. For those of you that don't know much about mead, this particular uh, item is a seasonal uh, produced every year. It used to be around the holidays. Uh, the mead maker decided to release it on Pie Day, which is in March now. But I had one of last year's, and it's uh, it's delicious. So I introduce you to Melavino Nicest Pie, apple mead with vanilla beans and cinnamon, 14% ABV, made to be served chilled. And it says, pour yourself a slice on the bottle. So, when you think of autumnal libations, uh, apples. So, I just, uh, Uncle Pete was kind enough to open the bottle and pour it. Um, it's a nice, uh, looks almost like a glass of white wine, uh, like a Chardonnay or something. But it's uh, certainly more, more fruity and uh, sweet than that. It's got a, a really nice apple aroma. You can taste, you can smell a little bit of touch of cinnamon, not 
overpowering, but just a little bit. I don't really smell the vanilla, but let's see if we can taste it. So I'm going to take a sip here. Oh, yeah, it's wonderful. It uh, tastes a little bit like a uh, spiced apple, a little apple and with some cinnamon. Just enough vanilla out there to smooth it out. So it's like a nice little concert. But uh, as you would guess, it's sweet but not cloying sweet. Uh, Melovino's uh, meads tend to be you know, slightly on the dry side compared to some others that are cloying sweet. But um, this is a treasure. It comes out once a year. This is the last bottle I have from last year's batch. So until March, this will be last time I'll get to enjoy this. Uh, those of you in New Jersey, um, look for this. Um, it'll be on sale. It'll be released on March 14th, which is by day, the next batch of this. Um, maybe you'll get lucky and find some that's still out there. I'm pretty sure that the... Yeah, I thought it was very smooth. I think I got dropped. Oh. I thought it was very smooth and um Hold on. Yeah, um you might want to just pause edit here Chris and JR if you want to start over with the mead cuz you got cut off. I think we got cut off. How far was and do it was I? Oh, no, um video. I don't want that. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just right there at the very end you got cut off. I heard most all and of it. Somebody's somebody's missing here. Okay. Hello. Yeah, I got you back, but I don't. You Dan, are you me. still with us? Yeah, I'm. I'm here. Pete, are you back? I, I've been here. Yeah, just on mute. Okay. I don't even. When did I uh, get cut out? When you, you got about halfway through talking about the mead and you cut off. You don't remember like how far I went into it? Should I just start completely over? Or? Yeah, I'd start again with the mead. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Chris, who was ever editing, just a. Uh, Let's restart the review of the mead. All right, everybody. Uh, we're going to review uh, our first libation of the evening. We have a perfect uh, libation for the fall. Melovino Nice's Pie. Melovino Meadery from Vauxhall, New Jersey, northern New Jersey. Uh, one of my favorite meaderies near and dear to my heart. Full disclosure, I have done some contract work promoting this brand in Michigan. But I promote it because I really enjoy the their creations and this is one of their seasonal offerings called nice's pie it's an apple mead with vanilla beans and cinnamon so let's get right into this uncle pete was kind enough to use a corkscrew and pull the cork comes in a 500 milliliter bottle it's 14 percent abv and is meant to be enjoy well chilled and a little uh note on the bottle says pour yourself a slice so think apple pie here it's a uh, it pours a nice golden yellow, very clear as can be. Um, almost looks like a, a glass of Chardonnay, but it smells far from it. Because I smell honey, not grapes. Because mead is fermented from honey and not grapes. Wine is fermented from grapes. So the base of this is apple. So this is a sizer, made with cider. Um, apple mead. And there are vanilla beans and cinnamon here. Now, on the nose, I get the cinnamon, not so much the vanilla. But uh, let's go ahead and take a sip. It's delicious. It's, uh, it's sweet, but not cloying sweet. You know, kind of like that honey sweet. Uh, Melovino tends to be a bit drier than a lot of other meter meteries. Um, it's uh, just a really, really lovely uh, blend of flavors. You know, the... Uh, uh, cinnamon 
apples and just in, just enough vanilla to mellow those two flavors through. And I've had this before, and I really enjoy it. It's uh, really good for this time of year. It's getting chilly out. The 14% ABV will warm you up. It'll be a good good thing to have when you're out in a garage brewing. Um, so I'm going to let Uncle Pete, Pete chime in. What do you think, Pete? You know, it's got a beautiful color. Like you said, it looks like a Chardonnay. Um, it's very well balanced in my view, you know, and like I've had anybody out there that's listening and maybe you've had apple pie moonshine, right? Very rough around the edges, just like bold in every way. It burns. It's got a lot of cinnamon. This is on the other end of that spectrum where it's much more mellow. It's sweet. It's balanced real nice. It's not overpowering on the cinnamon. The apples, immediately the apple flavor hits you. And, you know, I think it's just, it just is very smooth and sweet. The vanilla has done a great job back there, just kind of pulling everything together. It is very pleasant, very enjoyable. And um, I would love to have some more of this. So a good pick, good pick for the autumnal. Well, we, we had to have an autumnal mead. And I assure you, if you pick up a bottle of this, you will not be thrown in the stockades. Um, it's delicious, and uh, it will be a crowd pleaser if you were to serve it to guests. So, uh, Melovino is available in the state of New Jersey. This particular mead will be released on Pi Day in March this, for the first year. Uh, up until this year, it was always released during the holidays, but it was actually a challenge to get uh, the apples um, you know, are harvested in the fall, and then by the time the, uh, the meat is ready and produced, it was a challenge to have it ready for the holiday season. So rather than pressure the meatery every year to do that, uh, the decision was made, hey, it's nice as pie. We'll release it on pie day. So the apples are harvested this time of year, and this is the last bottle I have from last year's batch. You probably won't see this for sale until March, but, hey, when it comes around to Pi Day, be looking for this in the New Jersey, Michigan, and I believe uh, Georgia and Florida are other markets that Millivine is distributed. But uh, and if you ever get a chance in northern New Jersey, uh, near near Newark, uh, not too far from New York City, uh, pay the tap room a visit. They have an uh, outstanding uh, mead bar open on the weekends, and uh, they have a lot of session meads that are around 6-7% carbonated meads to do some great things. They make a, uh, a peachy palmer and like various like uh, Arnold Palmer style meads, you know, with half iced tea, half lemonade, and some peach uh, flavors and a lot of fruity stuff. And their, uh, their everyday offerings in Michigan look for uh, Midnight Jack is a blend of four dark fruits that's the best seller. It's outstanding. And there's also my personal favorite, uh, uh, Murder of Crows, which is blackberry mead with peppercorns. It's outstanding. So enough of them plugging uh, autumnal mead here. I think it's time that we go into some beers. So I'm going to turn it over to Dugout, who's got a traditional autumn beer that I think you all are going to enjoy. All right. Well, thanks, JR. It's good to be back after... Um Kind of a hectic last bunch of weeks with uh, work schedule and traveling and uh, basically running myself into the ground. So uh, I'm back for a while and it uh, feels good to be home. Um, so nothing says fall like uh, pumpkin. And I know I'm in the minority here, but um, I've uh, 
got a very enjoyable pumpkin ale. It's called Pump King, and it's from Southern Tier, and actually it's Imperial Pump King. This one comes in at about 8.6% ABV. Uh, it's pretty low in hops. Let's see what the actual um, IBU rating is, but it's very low. Um, I'll just read from the side of the bottle here. Pump King is an ode to Puka, the mythical Celtic horse beast said to entice careless travelers onto its back and take them on a wild ride, a wild, terrifying ride, night ride through the forest. Uh, it's a journey from which they return forever change. Poor pumpkin. Oh, this writing's so small. <laughs> <laughs> Pour pumpkin into a goblet and allow its spiced aroma and deep copper color to entice you, entrance you. Taste the beer and you are bewitched, powerless to resist the pumpkin. This beer is brewed with pagan spirit and should be enjoyed responsibly. So, I don't know how responsible I'm being drinking a bomber of it by myself, but um, at an 8.6. But it's got a really cool label with sort of an evil-looking pumpkin wearing a crown, ode to the pumpkin. It uh, pours a pretty it's more of a gold than a copper, if you ask me. I've seen years past where it's been a deeper, deeper color. Um, it's uh, there's two varieties of hops in it and um, two varieties of malts, pumpkin and spices. The aroma you get some pumpkin pie spice, but you also get some pumpkin in there. Uh, you get kind of a malt. You, you get sort of a maltiness to it too. Some kind of crust vanilla. Um, roasted pecans. It's really a beautiful aroma. The smell is just great. So the flavor comes off with a bit of all sweetness in the front. Uh, you got some vanilla, clove, allspice, cinnamon, nutmeg, um, and it all combines. But here's what makes this beer a little different for me for the flavor is that to me, a lot of pumpkin beers just have the spice, but they don't have the flavor of the pumpkin itself. These guys have done wonderful things in bringing out to the true flavor of the pumpkin, of the gourd itself. And uh, I'm always a big fan of pumpkin pie, and I like the flavor of pumpkin, and it's not hidden in here. The spice is there to complement it, not to overpower it, or to actually just be a spice beer and call it a pumpkin ale, because I think that's what happens in a lot of cases. So it's um, kind of a medium light body. It's um, certainly something that you can cellar, and it will do well over the years. Um, you know, it's right at that edge, I guess, of where you would cellar something. But I guess anything uh, over eight is pretty much a candidate. But it just depends if you know there's a high hop level, your, the hops are going to fall off. It's going to change significantly. Uh, significantly but given that it's low hop level high spice level that over time that these spices could die down and actually have more of a pumpkin flavor and uh, be actually quite nice you know i know you're the you're kind of a gastronomic expert as well dugout and uh i was just checking around on the southern tears website about pumpkin and they got uh, several recipes for using pumpkin beer in some recipes like uh, cheesecake, pumpkin cheesecake brownies, pumpkin bacon, pumpkin gravy. Uh, 
So maybe you ought to get a little wild in the kitchen one day with some of that stuff and whip up some good pumpkin vittles. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, the price was right on this bottle. It was um, $8 for 22-ounce, 8.6% bottle. And you know that's, that's quite a good value, if you ask me. Um, most beers up in that upper range get into the ten and twelve dollar range where this is well below that. So I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate to put this into some type of recipe. Um or even like say a butternut squash soup or even a pumpkin soup. Now I saw in the store today as I was perusing the rum king, which is the rum barrel version of this. Has anyone had this that can give me an idea of how that might be? No, I've I've not had the Rum King. Um, I've had this. It's this one's uh, darker, older brother, the, um, the Warlock. And I really think Warlock is my favorite pumpkin beer, bar none. Um, that's a uh, a dark version of of the pumpkin, and uh, those dark roasted malts just really kind of bring out some different flavors of the pumpkin and the spices. Uh, but I've not had the Rum Barrel aged. I'd be certainly be interested in trying something like that well i usually run when i see pumpkin beers but i think i'm going to give the rum king a chance because yeah the review you gave on this one uh makes me a little bit curious uh so i think i'm going to just uh, give that rum one a shot next time i see it yeah i sure great- would um you know just because a beer is pumpkin doesn't mean it it should have the negative connotations. Absolutely, some of them do, and they're well-deserved. I think a lot of them are done in sort of a cost-cutting way, or they're done in a way to say, like, oh, I want to make this taste like pumpkin pie, and pumpkin pie has these spices in it, and they don't do much due diligence on the flavor of the pumpkin itself. So those beers I write off immediately. Um, I believe we've reviewed... Punked, right? Is that the one from Dogfish Head? That one's outstanding, I believe. And they do they do a different twist on it. They hop up the pumpkin ale, but you can still taste the pumpkin in there. I haven't had that one, but I think I'm going to just uh, go on your recommendation and take it one step further and pick up a, a, a bottle of Rum King and see where that takes me. I'm uh, pretty skeptical on pumpkin beers, but I have heard from... Uh, more than one source, including your review, that uh, the Southern Tier is the you know one of the top offerings. And I have been to Southern Tier. I really enjoyed my visit there. So uh, looking forward to trying the rum version of that. So thanks for uh, enjoying it. I was going to say for taking one for the team, but it sounds like it's, <laughs> it's, no, it's quite I, an enjoyable. I'll gladly, I'll gladly do this beer. When I saw it, I, I mean... Her, I almost had to go to another store. I just wanted to get one stop in, and I was having a pretty hectic day, and traffic was bad today as it was. So um, when I saw it, I thought, no, that one's it. I don't care what anybody thinks about pumpkin beers because I know that this one's a winner. And, um, uh, you know, I'd, I'd certainly challenge anybody to try this one and tell me that it's not a good beer. I, I just, you know, it's not for everybody, obviously. The spice level is kind of high, but, you know, the pumpkin flavors there, it's what what a pumpkin beer is supposed to be. I know they, uh, they also offer, and maybe you mentioned it, Doug, forgive me if I didn't hear you say the words warlock, 
but uh, they do have an imperial stout with pumpkin in it. Um, Correct. Yeah, I did. I did mention that one as its older brother or as its yep. um, other brother, and so uh, that beer is outstanding as well. Really, if you like a slice of pumpkin pie that instead of having a cup of coffee with it, have a have a glass of Warlock. <laughs> Absolutely. I guess for some reason I'm into food pairings with the beer tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for that. Let's head west outside of Michigan and down the road to Springfield, Missouri, to Dan Geis, affectionately known. Check, check. Can you hear me? Uncle Pete's here. John might have dropped his audio again. Yeah, I think John dropped, but yeah, I'm back. Hear you. I don't know why this keeps happening. I'm not happy. Can you hear me? Yep. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to reintroduce you, Dan. I don't know where I got cut off, but all right. Well, we're going to take it from Michigan and head west to Springfield, Missouri, and uh, to Dan Geis, affectionately known as Lieutenant Dang. So, welcome back, uh, Dan. Uh, I understand you're going to have a sweet potato beer for us, so take it away. Yeah, thanks, guys. Happy to be here. This is um, from Piney River Brewing Company, and it is just simply called Sweet Potato Ale. Excuse me. It is uh, pours a copper color. It's um, not quite uh, opaque, but it's it's copper, but it's fairly dark. Um, can't see through it. Just a very, very light head, dissipated very quickly. The aroma, you get uh, just a slight bit of that pumpkin body. It's a spice, the vanilla. Um, very, very mild. You know, it's a very, comes across very subtle, I should say. Um, let me take a sip here. Yeah, you feel, I feel like I'm getting a bit of the, the taste of the, of, of a little bit kind of like a roasted pumpkin. It's not it's not overly sweet. It's not overly spiced. It's just very mild. And and uh, what I like about this is that unlike... I mean, I love stouts and I love pumpkin stouts and different darker beers. But this is a very light, drinkable beer. It's only 6.2%, I think. 6%. Um, so it's just... It's an easy drinker. It goes down nice. Nothing overpowers... Nothing is in your face and says, whoa, here I am, you know. Um, it's, it's, it's just it's a nice, easy drinker. It's, it's nothing it, that, you know, you're going to give to someone and it's going to be offensive. I feel like this is a good, a good beer for people to try that haven't had anything crazy but want to step out and try something different. Um, maybe, maybe they're not drinking that... Uh, that Bud Light beer that they saw in the commercial, but something different. So this is definitely a good one. And uh, Piney River, I think I've mentioned them before in, in a different review from a different beer, but it's worth mentioning again. They are on their family farm where they built, they completely repurposed the old barn that was there into the brewery. It's just magical. It's one of a kind. I mean, you can be up there on the deck of the, the tasting room looking out amongst like in the middle of a farm practically cows and fields all around and then they they've added on they've done a huge addition huge production brewery that also looks just like a barn it's a cool place i mean you drive down gravel roads and you go over literally over cattle gates which if um you don't know what those are they are 
big, huge bars in, that are built into like a gravel road so that um, the cows cannot walk over them because their foot, their hooves would drop straight down through them. You can drive over them just fine in any wheeled vehicle. Yeah, like a big like, rumble strip. <laughs> yeah, like a big rumble strip. So it's a, it's a magical place in the middle of freaking nowhere, Missouri. If uh, you're rolling through this way, it's definitely, definitely worth a stop. So, And they always have good uh, kind of jam, rock, folksy, bluegrass music playing there on the weekends. It's a good time. So Piney River, one of my favorites. I want to thank you just for a moment <laughs> for explaining those greats. <laughs> I just well, took a trip around the country and I crossed well, the cow, the cow, the cattle geese. Yeah, cattle I crossed. Grapes, I crossed. Dozens, I just went over dozens of them. And I'm like, what the hell? What are these? <laughs> yeah, thank they, you. They can't walk onto them because their feet will get stuck. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And they won't. They just won't walk onto them. The things you learn when you're drinking. Flat foot. I like learning when I drink. <laughs> I should drink more so I could learn more. <laughs> well, I'm a I'm a Chicago transplant. I grew up in the Burbs, and I moved down here in the middle of high school. So I too went through the learning process of what in the world is this? <laughs> John, you can quote me on that in the next week's show. Drink more so you can learn more. Quote Uncle Pete. There we go. And that'll be next week's quote. Well, Dan, hey, I really enjoy when you come on because uh, a lot of times we get stuck in a rut with beers that and libations that we're you know aware of and comfortable of, and we know the breweries. So it's great to have you know when you or Ross or some of the other guys that are out of town um, describe some other places to us. It makes me really want to want to make a trip out to Missouri, maybe maybe on my next trip to Arizona, but. Uh, Always enjoy uh, your descriptions of the beers and the, uh, you know, uh, experiences at breweries from far away from us. So thanks for bringing yeah. that in. Well, I, I wanted to uh, uh, try something different as far as for what I share with the show. Normally it's uh, something hard to get rare from Side Project or American Solera or whoever. So this I went, is this the good old six-pack beer you can pick up in any grocery store around here? And that's great because you know we always, you know we always say at the beginning of the show we're not pretentious and we're trying to introduce more good people to more good beer and that's that's a perfect sounds like it's a good gateway beer for somebody that it won't intimidate you. It's an easy drinker and uh, you know makes me want to try one. <laughs> All right, well let's go back to Michigan. Uh, Peach, you should be next, but I think we are going to wait on his beer because he's got something. Pretty special, but what do you think? You want to do this years now, or you want me to go first? What do you got? You got Jackie? Yeah. We'll go ahead and start with mine. Uh, Pete's got something, uh, a treasure here that uh, he just picked up a couple days ago. So we're going to go with my beer first from the great state of Ohio. Not many people in Michigan would say that, but uh, this is a great brewery that uh, even Michiganders would not dispute uh, that Jackie owes in uh, Athens, Ohio. Uh, is a, a, a fantastic brewery, um, albeit if even though it is from the state of Ohio, I say that in jest. But uh, what I have here from Jackie O's is a, a really nice fall beer. It's called Oro Negro, stout brewed with walnuts and conditioned on spices. So I'm going to pour this beer. Uh, Uncle Pete was kind enough to do a pour for me. Really a nice, healthy head here, about a one-finger head. 
uh, cola flavored, and it's not really uh, disappearing soon. So nice, healthy carbonation in this. Um, jet black, as you would expect with a stout. Uh, maybe just a very slight, you know, maybe not jet black, just one shade under it. But So I can smell uh, a lot of roasted malt, roasted barley. Not really smelling uh, the walnut uh, smell, but I'll bet you that comes through more in the flavor. So let's uh, take it. Take a taste of this, and uh, uh, they also make a barrel-aged version of this, which I believe we may have already reviewed a long time ago on a previous episode. But this this has is a nice, you know, nice uh, roasty stout with that roasted barley just comes right at you. Um, don't know uh, the walnut taste is there. It's you know they got that little bit of bitter, bitter nuttiness, um, but it's not overwhelming. And I'm, I'm surprised because uh, I'm looking for, you know, vanilla beans and, and spice. I'm not getting a whole lot of that. It's kind of a very subtle back end. But the base stout on this is, you know, uh, again, very roasty. Uh, it's smooth as silk and a little bitter after having, uh, you know, that a little bit of the sweet, the mead, the honey mead. So probably should have uh, cleansed my palate with some water first. But delicious, uh, great mouthfeel on this. And now, after uh, a couple sips, it's starting to come around a little bit more, getting that sweetness out of my mouth from my previous drink. So I'm getting more of the nuttiness now and a little bit of vanilla on the back end. I'm going to read the description from the bottle real quick. It says, Oro Negro spawned from our unwavering compulsion to experiment. Infusing imperial stouts with spices, fruits, and wood has been a staple at our bottle releases since 2009. Oro Negro is the culmination of note-taking and listening to our patrons. Our cherished oil of Aphrodite is infused with cocoa nibs, vanilla beans, oak staves, habaneros, and cinnamon sticks. A refined stout filled with rich in character and a touch of heat. I don't get much of the heat on it. We're going to let Uncle Pete, he's looking at me like, well, hey, give me the bottle. So uh, I didn't get much habanero on it. I, th- I think this has been in my cellar for a few years, so maybe some of those flavors may have uh, faded with aging, but it's uh, certainly a-, a delicious stout with a, a great mouthfeel. The flavors are a little subtle. I'm going to let uh, Pete give you his opinion. Well, it's definitely uh, Oro Negro, if you translate that, and it means black gold. I wouldn't necessarily say Texas tea because I don't think Jack Zios is in Texas, but it is a very black. I uh, can't see through it, really. Uh, the aroma it is an interesting aroma to me. It's very, It's got a very earthy um, aroma. I pick up some chocolate and mild coffee in the aroma, but I'm, I'm not sure I can equate it to, uh, what did you say was in it, walnuts or something? Walnuts. Walnuts. Let me take a, a taste. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's got a, a dry, um, a sweetness, but it's a dry beer. Earthy. Uh, very uh, dry and bitter dry, and I would say bitterness probably from uh, the roasted malt as compared to being highly hopped. I don't know what the IBUs is. I wouldn't suspect it's too high. I'm not getting, I don't think it's hop influence I'm getting. But I know when I eat walnuts, right, they seem, they dry my mouth out. And I do get that tightness in my throat when I eat walnuts, even though I, I love them. I still, eat, I still eat them, even though I get choked up a little bit. But, um, no, this is a good beer. It's, it's different than most stouts I've had. 
So it's very unique. And um, yeah, I could drink a bottle of this. Very, very interesting. Grace, do they use um, regular walnuts or do they use black walnuts? doesn't say on the bottle, so I'm not sure. I know one of the Aphrodite is their other uh, walnut beer, so I guess that was okay. the base for this. So apparently walnuts, they've added... Actually, walnuts in beer can tend to add bitterness, and black, all, um, black walnuts can be extremely bitter and um, used to make something just really close to the edge. So that's why I was curious if they were regular walnuts or black walnuts. Yeah, I'm not getting anything from either the bottle or the website as far as what kind of walnuts. It just says walnuts. So good question, but good points made as far as, yeah, the black walnuts offering up the bitterness. Yeah, definitely. I I think this tastes very much like oil of Aphrodite because I've had some of these beers previously. What I think has happened is I think it's a couple years of aging is removed I think a lot of those other flavors, the habanero, the vanilla beans, a lot of that has faded away, and we're left with the uh, the walnut bitterness. It's almost uh, it's almost so bitter that it's almost puckering my mouth, like that tightness that Pete was talking about in his throat, and I'm getting a little bit of that. So uh, I guess the, the lesson to be learned for this is the next time I get one, I'm going to be drinking it fresh, because I remember when I drank this fresh, it was a lot more uh, going on. But, uh, you know, that's uh, it's always interesting. Uh, we always recommend if you buy something and you want to age it, get two bottles at least and drink one when it's fresh and drink one a couple of years later. And, and it enables you to find out, you know, what age does to a certain beer. So uh, it's still a, a very enjoyable beer, but uh, I think it's a shell of its former self. Um, so next time I buy one of these, I'm going to drink it fresh. All right. How's everybody doing? Uh I think, uh, Pete, you want to go for yours? And then I think uh, Dugout's got a, a great uh, autumn homebrew to, to close out the show with. So I'm going to let Uncle Pete uh, divulge the treasure that he has and tell us about his journey the other day. So take it away, Pete. Yeah, I didn't get enough of road tripping, so I ended up <laughs> heading over to Kalamazoo, which isn't much of a road trip. Compared, comparatively speaking, uh, but I uh, did spend uh, two hours on the road getting over there to Bell's, uh, again, one of my favorite Michigan breweries, and uh, turned out they were releasing bourbon barrel aged Expedition Stout that day uh, with a one case limit, and uh, I stood in line for probably 30 minutes, I was there, I think a release opened at 10 o'clock, I got there about 10.45, 11 o'clock. And there was maybe 40 people in line. So it was, a pl- it was a pleasant day, sunny day. Great day to be out there with all the other enthusiasts and chatting it up. And uh, kind of spreading the, I did spread a little bit around about the beer nuts to a few of the folks in line. So hopefully we get some more listeners. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, back to the beer. This is a Russian Imperial Stout uh, aged in bourbon barrels. I think it's aged for 12 months, it says. And... Um, I mean, just the regular Expedition Stout, if you ever had that, is a very good beer in its own right before it even gets to the barrel aging. So to take a very good stout that's, you know, uh, very popular and uh, to take it and put this 12-month uh, spin on it in the bourbon barrel um, just is, is just adding another layer of complexity and a layer of joy. <laughs> but uh, let me share some here with JR so he can start sniffing on it, and I'm going to get going here on it. So I did pick up my full allotment, a case, and uh, shared a couple four-packs with JR. 
and I uh, got a few at home that I'll be cellaring, but I also am drinking a few while they're fresh. And that's the nice thing, too, I think, about these kind of beers. A beer like this at uh, 13.5% uh, ABV and a high original gravity uh, should be able to stand up to some long cellaring. Uh, if you do it right and keep it dark and a nice low temperature, you know, keep them upright. And uh, I think they'll be enjoyable for years to come. So my luck, with my luck, I've also got, I think, last year's barrel-aged expedition stout. So I can start setting up a couple years' worth of verticals here to start seeing how they how they compare. But anyway, um, yep, poured a nice deep black. Um, very rich tan head that uh, kind of dissipated fairly quickly. The aroma is very, very pronounced, uh, full of, it smells like to me, like sweet molasses and dark fruit. It's just very uh, complex. I'm picking up chocolate and uh, a lot of wood in there. Let's take a sip. Mm. This one I've already let warm, actually. And uh, so, you know, you can serve it uh, somewhat chilled. But, uh, you know, as they warm, they do open up. And this one, I believe, is already warmed up, so it's it's opened up already. And the flavors are just, um, man, they're all over the map here. I'm getting a lot of sweet, um, nice sweet fruits in there as far as, like, raisins. Um, you know, sticky kind of dark fruits, raisins and jammy, uh, you know, even, I don't know if I'd say pruney, but just... Um, stuff that has sweetness, like a molasses kind of a sweetness. Uh, very, very influenced by the bourbon barrel. Uh, just, uh, you know, I get the alcohol, it's 13.5%. It's very rich, very decadent. Um, I almost start to think of things like German chocolate cake and, and how that goes. Uh, although I'm not, you know, there's no coconut in this. The sweetness really reminds me of a sweet toasted coconut. JR, you want to add some notes to that uh, tasting? Yeah, it's a, it's a real treat. Uh, it's one of my favorite uh, barrel-aged beers or favorite beers. Um, as a stout lover, the base stout, the Expedition stout, is already one of my favorites and also uh, really gets better with age, as this probably does, but... But boy, the first thing I notice on this is the mouthfeel. It's just, uh, you know, nobody would ever say this is thin. This is uh, as full-bodied as they come. But yet it's not so thick that it's, you know, not enjoyable. It's just, uh, you know, I love the, uh, it's almost like a, a fudge consistency to me, like a nice, rich, you know, you said chocolate cake. I would say more of a fudge, you know, that nice, you know, rich, thick, you know, just, you know, bursting with flavor. Um, you get the, like the, the raisins, the dark fruits. Um, I can only imagine, uh, after a, a couple of years of aging, you know, uh, some of the more complex flavors that will develop, you know, and I expected it to be, you know, fresh out, you know, just a booze bomb. And a lot of people describe, uh, barrel aged beers when they first are released, usually boozy or hot. And some people say a hot mess because it's so boozy. I don't get that with this. I get, you know, I think the brewer waited until it was ready to be drank to release it. Um, and it's it's delicious as it is. It, it's actually uh, delightful that it's not colder than it is because 
you know, it's it's the perfect, nice, almost so maybe slightly cooler than room temperature, but perfect temperature, bursting with flavor, you know, full-bodied, full-flavored, everything you could ask for and more. You know, the the barrel influence is there, the the bourbon flavor is there, but uh, nothing is really uh, blowing anything else out of the order. It's like, you know, out of uh, it's totally balanced and. As I always like to say, it's like a uh, well-rehearsed concert here. Everything just comes together and into one uniform, uh, fantastic flavor. So, so glad that you were able to go, and very appreciative that you're, you're sharing some with me. It's a uh, arguably my favorite uh, Barrel Aids Michigan beer. Um, it's a real treat. Yeah. Thanks for sharing it. Oh, and, welcome. Uh, I am. Uh, I have been told. Rumor has it that some uh, a supply of this, a limited supply, will be hitting distribution. So fear not if you weren't able to go to Kalamazoo like Pete was fortunate enough to do. Uh, this should be hitting Michigan shelves uh, within the next week or two, I would think. So I don't know how much there is, but um, truck chasers uh, unite and uh, uh, look for this on shelves, and hopefully you're able to get some because it's... Uh, it's a real treat. Yeah, when I was there, it sounded like they had plenty to go around, and it was just a matter of time before it starts, you know, getting out into the, all, the, all the main distribution arteries and onto the shelves. So look forward to it, everybody. And uh, I might mention the other day, JR and I had uh, just sitting around, and uh, we shared a 2012 Bourbon County uh, stout. And, you know, being aged six years, I mean, it was quite um, – balanced out and really developed some beautiful beautiful uh flavors and when i think about that beer i can imagine a beer like this right in front of us right now is going to start you know over the course of time now start picking up some of those nice balanced um almost almost like a brandy fortified flavor you know just um a smooth not hot and uh very very pleasant beer yep and uh Want to mention also um, that was pre AB, uh, pre Hanizer Bush in Biv, uh, Bourbon County before the buyout. But more importantly, uh, you know this uh, this treat here is pretty much a precursor to our next episode, which will be the celebration of the arrival of Stout season. So that'll be the next episode we produce next week. So look forward to that. It'll probably be. Uh, I know. Almost all the beer nuts is probably one of the most looked forward to episodes of the year because we all love our stouts. So it's a great time uh, to be a beer nut. Uh, stout season is upon us. Prepare your livers accordingly. <laughs> and your wallets. All right. Well, I think uh, Dugout's going to wrap things up here with uh, another one of his legendary coveted home brews. So tell us about your brew, Doug. All right. Well, Real quickly, before I do that, um, yeah, I heard the same info on the distribution for the uh, Bells, and uh, I've got a, um, today when I was out shopping for beer, I put a little note into the beer buyer's hand and said, uh, please hold for me when this comes in, a six-pack of of the uh, Bells, and then um, there was the other release that was coming out, which was Founder CBS, 
and um, there should be some distribution on that one too once it once it hits the shelves. So um, now back to the things at hand. I've been pretty busy brewing um, through the summer and into the fall. Yay! And I just tapped this one. I just um, I bottled. There's two versions of it. Okay, let me start from the beginning. We have uh, this beer is called uh, Rubber Cow Wee Heavy. It um, is obviously a, a wee heavy Scottish ale, and uh, it's brewed with 40 pounds of grain for 10, 10 gallon batch. So, um, big OG, uh, big OG. Well, not as high as I, I had wanted, but still big OG. I think it's in the nine, somewhere in the mid nines. Good enough for um, me, buddy. But yeah, good enough for me too. Uh, there's two versions of it. The one I have tonight is just the normal version. That's uh, it's brewed about six weeks ago. So it's been aging in a secondary. It's been through its primary. It went through a flood, and while the basement was flooding, the first thing I did was get the beer. Good then man. I unplug, then I unplugged the appliances. <laughs> All right. That's your priorities and right. Priorities. Yep. <laughs> I've been through this drill before, but um, so this is uh, there's the second version is aged in oak chips. Soaked in Laphroaig scotch for, oh, about two and a half months. And oh, man. then the Laphroaig chips were added into the secondary of this beer. And I got a sip of it before bottling it. And what I did with that one is I went straight to bottle, bottle condition. That one can sit for a year in my, and I have a true root cellar in my house. So that can sit in there for, I don't know, six, seven, eight months before we ever pop a bottle of it. Um, or until that, the next time I'm over. Yeah, I mean, that, there might be one come out then, but um, for the meantime, I've got the regular version. So I'll get into this one. It's um, uh, I brewed it with uh, my brewing buddy, John Golden. He had the recipe. Uh, he's done this beer before, but he's always been a brew in a bag kind of guy and decided to take it all grain um, through the all grain mash process. So we um, did a 10 gallon batch and JR, you, you and I have done a 10 gallon batch before in my root kettle and it's a 15 gallon kettle. That stuff gets right up to the top. And uh, while you're doing the boil, at least at first, you got to be really mindful, not pay attention. Boil all over the freaking place. So I got it. That one went well. Um, it the hops in it are uh, stevia and Goldings and Amarillo of all things, but the hops are meant to age out uh, through the entirety of the aging process. Even though, like right now, it's perfectly good to drink. And I'm going to tell you the color on it. And, and now it's still got a little more carving to do. So to be fair, the, the head will be there on the beer. Uh, the color is just the most beautiful dark copper. It is crystal clear. You can see right through the beer. Um, pulled a few glasses off ahead of time. So and there are a few floaties in there, but those are all gone. The nose is uh, pure caramel and like, burnt sugar and just what you think of when you think of a heavy heavy malted 
kind of darker malted beer. Now, the first sip, you, you really get the sweetness of the malt and the caramels, but there's also a nice kind of bitterness that comes in from the Amarillo hops in sort of a fresh hop taste to it, which is making it really drinkable now. And as I said, it was built to age, so that will fade a little bit over time in some of the older ones. But, man, drink it now is just it's hard to let it sit in that keg and not just pour a big old pint glass of it. Um, and uh, really looking forward to getting the bourbon barrel age, or not bourbon barrel, but the scotch age oak chip version out. And, um, yeah, I got another one in the works. Uh, there's a porter, build it. Brewed a Baltic porter, um, uh, did a little bit of water chemistry on that for the first time, and that one is, there's two versions of that one, another 10-gallon batch, so one one batch is aged in, uh, with, or has Montmorency cherry in it, so Michigan cherry, Michigan tart cherry, and then there's a secondary version that is just going to the rest of those uh Lafroy chips that had sat an additional month those are going into the port oh man so, you're getting us all excited around here <laughs> so there's good stuff to come i mean uh, i've got this one i think it's awesome right now uh can't wait till you know a couple days this will be on full carb but gotta just have some restraint and not drink it some of it's getting bottled some of it's going to stay in the keg so i'll definitely have this one over the holidays and then the porter kind of the same thing the cherry porter will be ready for the holidays should be ready about the thanksgiving time what kind one. of abv did you get on this uh we heavy the we heavies right around the the uh, lower nines okay oh good that's good good didn't have the greatest efficiency on the mash but um it was just sort of a, you know, trying to get it by with the equipment you have sometimes can reduce some of your results. So, you know, could I use an extra mash ton? Yes, I could. <laughs> yeah. Did I do two batches of, of mash in a row? Yes, I did. Yeah, it was pretty grueling. Um, and it was hot out that day. And we probably, between John and I, lost 10 pounds of just dripping off sweat and drinking beers. And uh, but we got to tell them what we needed to. I mean, these are. I mean, is these the same as Scotch ales? The wee heavies. Yeah. You know, like a back, like a like a founders. Uh, yeah, the, the, the dirty, the dirty yeah. bastards. Yeah, and, Jr. You can explain this one a little better. The difference between the Scotch and the Scotch ales. Yeah, when you hear Scottish ale, it's generally a lower ABV. If you ever go to Scotland. They like to drink like all day long, and if they were to drink a Scotch ale or a Wee Heavy, that is the higher ABV, or they also have, are known as Export. Um, export is a stronger, um, but they actually, the Scottish ales go by shillings, you know, the smaller the shilling, and it goes back to where they used to tax the beer on how strong it was. So I think there's like a... 40 shilling, 50, 60 shilling, 70 shilling. Um, so when you ha- hear the shilling, that's usually a lesser. You know, the same, you know, nice malty beer, not a whole lot of hop influence. But uh, the, the real strong stuff like Dugout's Brewing is known as either a Wee Heavy or a Scotch Ale. Um, so, yeah, they're pretty much an interchangeable name for the stronger ABV. Um, I think I've even heard 70 shilling as a, like, I think 
that's higher than what they really serve there. Um, so that's like an in-betweener. I know I had, I brewed one that didn't quite up, get as strong as Doug's was. So I just called it a 70 shilling. But that's the difference. Scottish ales are lower, more sessionable beers that you can drink all day. Um, we heavies, if you drink those all day, you will be sleeping by dinner time. So that's the difference. But I love a good Scotch ale, a good, you know, a nice malty. I like, uh, I like what age does to the stronger malty beers. Uh, I can't tell you how excited I am to one day try that Lafroy chip one because when I was in the liquor business, I sold Lafroy and I developed a good palate to enjoy that. It's not for everyone. Some of the, you know, there's different styles of scotches and I'm not going to get into a, a big sermon on scotches, but, you know, some of that stuff's an acquired taste and Lafroy's kind of up there and one of those, you know, you got to develop an acquired taste for it, but uh, it's, for somebody like me, it's delightful. So I think I think we need uh, if we haven't done it already. I'm trying to re- recall, but uh, maybe we need a wee heavy Scotch ale episode. <laughs> totally dedicated. Yes, we have not done a totally dedicated. And wee I heavy agree. Show. And there are plenty did, out there. We did a mixed show with Scottish Scotch ales, um, but not a wee heavy. So uh, that's got to be up on the docket. Yes, sir. That's just. Came to mind. Well, it's that time of year, and uh, yeah, we'll put that on the docket for sure. And we'll also, uh, hopefully, you'll have a nice holiday party uh, during the holidays for us to come enjoy some of that stuff. Uh, although I'm not sure how long kegs last at your place, even something this strong, because uh, the beer's good. It doesn't last long at Doug's. Well, no, but the bottle versions, and this is where I've gotten into restraint. Um, or practicing restraint is the the bottle versions now just go into the cellar and they uh-huh. sit there and I sort of leave them alone and, and if they're at, if it's on draft hey fair game if it's bottles no just you know that's for company <laughs> yeah and where's the key to that cellar darn it I forgot oh, where I put there's, it there's no key <laughs> I forgot where I put it yeah. That's a dilemma. Pete and I will be glad to be your company uh, anytime this holiday season. So keep us in mind. Well, maybe we have a, a future holiday episode coming up um, where we can all just kind of get together and come back over the house and do one of those patented fun Doug episode houses or Doug's uh, episode of Doug's house kind of um, show. Amen. Always a good time when we're able to all get together. And, uh, well, that was, uh, quite an autumnal episode. We kind of started with the autumnal mead. Um, and then we went into some other things and came out of it with, um, gosh, this, some uh, heavies, uh, some nice, heavies, uh, prelude to next week where we celebrate the beginning of scout season. Hopefully Lieutenant Dang, hopefully you'll be able to join us. I know that you're, uh, uh, uh you've got some great stouts, for, uh, particularly from Mother's Brewing, some of my favorites that you've uh, managed to share with me. Oh, yes. Winter Grind, you on next week. Winter Grind just released uh, today, or this week. It's their by far their number one selling seasonal beer they do. Well, um, love to have you on next week if you can make it. So thanks for joining us from Missouri, as always. And any final comments, anybody, before we go to Mexico City? 
Well, yeah, I I did, and um, typically we'll do, or I do have a comment. Typically, we'll do a hipster tipster, and I just wanted to mention one quick thing. It's very local for us, and and you know, really with a heavy heart, uh, October fifteenth. Falling Down Beer Company, which is located out of Warren, and I believe they have another lo- they they had another location in Oxford, just put on their Facebook, hello everyone, this is with a very heavy heart that I must inform you that FDBC is no more. This is not my choice, and it is devastating. I have enjoyed the past six years immensely, and I wish everybody the best. Sincerely, Mark. And Mark is obviously the uh, principal owner of, of um, Falling Down Beer Company, um, I, I just I was kind of gutted this summer. I was at Michigan Homebrewers Festival, and they were a big sponsor. They put up money for it and just stood out of the way and let homebrewers shine and have their day. Um, you know, class, class place, good beers. Always saw them at the Michigan Beer Festivals that we all went to. Uh, Jr. And, and, and Uncle Pete, and it's just it's just sad. And from what I understand, um, um, a heavy investor just decided on a whim to just pull out 100, percent and they would not be able to survive without that. So that is the demise. Hopefully, we'll look forward to seeing a reincarnation of this, these guys in the near future. But that's all the news we had on these guys. Pretty sad. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Not not a happy thing. Sorry to hear it. I know I remember at the beer festivals having some of their beers. And I've never it, been know, to their fun, location. Fun stuff. They were in an old. They were the the original location was in an old Denny's, and you know they just scraped by and they had like picnic tables that looked like they picked off the curbs and out of the alleys and chairs and just everything seemed sort of secondhand but once the beer started flowing every nobody cared and just started having a good time and it was like hanging out in somebody's garage although if their garage was an old denny's you know (laughs) just pretty abstract stuff but yeah i'll miss it well always always sorry to hear this, you know, there's some talk the bubbles bursting, and what, my opinion on that is there's always going to be room for breweries that don't try to get too big for their britches and try to be the just the neighborhood brew pub. There's always going to be room for those guys if you try to get too big and get into distribution. And I'm not saying falling down did because I don't believe they were on that track. I think this is a different issue. But you know, one of the things we talk about at Schoolcraft College is you know just. Just plan to be the local neighborhood brewery and uh, cater to your local customers, and you'll be a, a destination, and and you can make profit. You know, beer can be profitable when you don't have to sell it to a distributor who has to sell it to, just, you know, the, the customer. I mean, um, so keep it simple, and uh, you know, we we applaud all all brewers from all walks of life in all areas. You know, uh, but. You know, with I think six over six thousand breweries, there's going to be you know failures and successes, and really sorry to hear that. And again, we wish you all the best to those guys, and hopefully uh, they can find another uh, source for some financing and open the doors again. So, yeah, look at breweries. Uh, I mean, like Moore Brewing in the Chicago area. I mean, Side Project in St. Louis. 
um, narrow gauge, you know, places that just, they were just your neighborhood brewery and people show up in droves and they, they had to start doing releases and then they would sell out in a day or two of what they had because they were so loved and therefore because their business model is doing it that way, they're at almost zero risk of going through this catastrophic failure. You know, they just sell what they could make and when they're out, they're out. <laughs> yep. And, uh, you know, and one more hipster tipster news, uh, toppling Goliath just, uh, announced, I guess they're having the lottery for Kentucky brunch breakfast stout KBBS. Is that right, Dan? Yep. So, uh, it's, uh, $100 for a 12-ounce bottle of KBBS and a glass, I believe. So uh, there's a lot of people in the craft beer world uh, chattering about that. Like, you know, it used to be at least when you went to, you made that long trip to Decorah, Iowa, just to get this coveted beer that you would at least get more than one, and you'd at least maybe get to get have a draft pour at the, the brewery, but you, they're not even going to have it on draft, so... I mean, uh, I, I'm sorry, no matter how good something is, I'm not willing to drive nine hours and pay $100 for one 12-ounce bottle of beer. I don't care how much it's worth on the secondary market. And I think a lot of people are just getting fed up with some of that. So that's the other end of the spectrum where yeah, maybe a brewery is getting a little greedy with that. Yeah, totally. Well, but, everybody – oh, go ahead, Doug. Yeah, some people will, though, and some people covet it that much. That, And from what I understand – that beer is that good, but <laughs> do I find myself being drawn to it? No, but can I understand somebody else being drawn to it? Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes it's about the beer and drinking that beer. Yeah. I, other people have eyes in secondary market, all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That's, you know, I, I don't know. I've, I have always mixed feelings about that, that whole scene. So I don't really want to delve into that. Um, but Hey, if it floats your boat and you're willing to pay a hundred bucks, I mean, you think about it, shrimps, a bottle of heart of darkness, shrimps mead is well into the hundreds of dollars. And, People line up to go buy that, and people don't even bat an eye and say if it's worth it or not. So to somebody, that that beer is worth that to them. Yeah. I suppose if I was a mega million winner in Southern, South Carolina, well, maybe I'd just go buy the place, you know. Yeah. Buy or, all the beer. or just, you know, no, I wouldn't even have to go there because I could just pay somebody to go there. <laughs> and it wouldn't matter, right? I could just, just buy it on the secondary go. market. Dude, well, go give me that beer, and I could just hire some kid to just go wait in those lines, and in the middle of winter, where it's like ice sheets are, are sleeting sideways, and it's piercing in your ears. And, you know, <laughs> like we all we all we all have been to those releases, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, everybody, let me offer one up. Uh, everybody's getting their tips on. On uh, the the hipster tipster news, so I'll bring one back that's more maybe on the humorous side. But I did read recently about a brewery in Chicago, I think it was, who was making a deal with Planters, and they're making an IPA peanut beer, you know, peanut IPA. And JR's with me on this, I know, because we've tasted a number of beers that have peanuts in them. And personally for me, 
I've yet to find a single one that really tastes like real peanuts. And uh, so this will be an interesting, I mean, it's, it's got Mr. Peanut on the label. You know, that old that old icon of, of planters. And I love planters peanuts, but I just can't imagine an IPA with peanuts in it. So check that one out on the Newswire, everybody. Well, and one more hunk of news, and then I'll stop, is this coming weekend is the uh, Michigan Brewers Guild Fall Beer Festival, Easter Market, Detroit. I don't know if any of you guys are going, but I am um, on Saturday. And I believe there are nine different breweries that released a Fago that are releasing a Fago pop Fago red pop beer at the festival this year. Oh, you mean like Rock and Rye and uh, yeah, all that grape? Yeah, Fago Detroit's own Fago. Soda awesome. Company. So awesome. Yeah, pop pop company. Sorry, shouldn't say soda. It's yeah, pop. I think they're the ones that coined the term <laughs> pop, or at least they lay claim to it. Man, it's all through the Midwest, though. Uh, I mean, in Chicago, it was pop. And so could have come from anywhere, but that's a regional thing. Well, I heard that the grape version is made by Batch Brewing Company in Detroit and that it's phenomenal. Yes. It's just like I, I had just heard the same thing because apparently they've released theirs ahead of time. But, yeah, nine different versions. Oh, you're so lucky to get out there and try them all, Dugout. You're not, you're not going to go, Uncle Pete? I don't have a ticket right now. I, I, if I had I to go. I don't think it's sold out, though. I don't think Friday is. If I go, it would probably be Friday because Saturday I have a, I have a, a family function. But uh, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, that sounds great. I love Fago and the history that it has with Detroit and, you know, the influence on coining the term pop. And I think they were one of the first uh, – soda beverage makers that uh, started using twist-off bottle caps. I was reading up on them recently. So, Yeah, and the whole uh, ICP thing and seeing Clown Posse and all that. Oh, all the Fago showers. House, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, if you drink them all, Doug, I want you to be out there singing the Fago song, man. That'd be awesome. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm going to get to all nine of those. <laughs> Get the nine. Usually, there, usually there's going to be like extreme lines for those kinds of beers, and I'm the kind of guy that just tends to avoid it and just go get a 4D that nobody's standing in line for. You know? <laughs> yeah, good call. <laughs> Amen. Or a, bourbon, or a bourbon barrel 4D because the, the Kunin brings out the big guns for those things. Jr., you were mixing 4D and another beer about two or three years ago at that fest. What was it? You had a chariot brewing, food brewing, and the four D. Yep, yep they're chariot, they're chariot brewing with the four D. That was the infamous uh, interview with Brett Coonan that we never could recover from my phone. Um, maybe a little bit too many four Ds that day, <laughs> but good memories, and uh, I'm sure more good memories to be had. I'm not sure if I'm going either. I had planned to go away this weekend. Uh, those plans are have fallen through, so I may now be able to attend. So to be determined, but uh, certainly if I go, I'll I'll be letting you know to to link up. So, well, that about wraps it up for the autumnal episode. So, uh, thanks for joining us, uh, and, and I look forward to our next uh, Stout Season opening of Stout Season episode coming up. Sure to have some uh, some really good brews for that one. I've already got a few ideas. So. Join us for that episode next week. And until then, as they say in old Mexico City, 
A-N-S. If you like this show, please tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter and like and share us on Facebook by searching for Christopher Media. You can subscribe to all ChristopherMedia.net shows for free on ChristopherMedia.net. Please make sure to rate and comment on all your favorite Christopher Media shows. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net and thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net.